Parashat Mishpatim contains much of the civil law of the Torah. Dinim Amarnas, the laws that govern financial relations between Jews. In particular, it contains the laws of many of the laws of Nezikin, of torts, of damages. And in particular, within the, within the category of torts, of damages, it contains the category of Maman Hamazik my property which causes damage to somebody else. In general, in the Torah, Nezikin has two broad categories. There's Adam Hamazik, a person who causes damage, causes an injury. You throw a rock through someone's window. You step on something of someone. You uh, hit somebody. Those are all cases where the person himself caused damage, caused injury to somebody else or someone else's property. And then there's Maman Hamazik, where I don't cause the damage directly, but my property causes damage. The Rambam has a section in his Mishnah Torah called Hilchos Nizke Maman, the laws of Nizke Maman. He, he introduces it by saying that this includes four mitzvahs. They are Din Hashar, Din HaHever, Din HaBar, and Din HaVara. Din Hashar is if my ox damages, all the famous my ox scores your ox that we read about in Pashat Mishpatim, Din HaHever, <coughs> Din Din HaHever is, is actually another kind of uh, Shor HaMazik, that, that's, when, that's when it causes damage by grazing, by, by walking or grazing. Din HaBar, a pit, if I, if I have a pit that, that causes damage, someone falls in and gets injured, property falls in, animals fall in. Din HaAvara, and that is Aish, that is the damage caused by fire. The Rambam begins, Kol Nefesh Tayesh any living thing that's in a person's possession, Shezika, that causes damage, the owner has to pay. This is Maman Hamazik, my Maman, my property, my ox, my animal, my animal caused damage. If, my, if, if the shore of a person injures, uh, gores and injures, the pushes, injures uh, the, the, the shore of another, of, of your friend, it doesn't matter if it's a shore or any other kind of animal, or a or bird, Domesticated animal, wild animal, bird, as long as it's your animal, your chayev, ladibur akasav, bashar, elabahoba. The example of the shar, all the famous, my ox scores your ox, that's a common and frequent occurrence. It's true for any animal. Incidentally, the, the title of the section of the Rambam is Hilchos Nizke Maman. A little bit ambiguous. There are potentially two ways we could translate that. We could translate, translate it as damage to property, property damage, or we could translate it as damage caused by property. I saw one translation that translated as damage caused to property, damage of property, but that seems to be a mistranslation. The more correct translation would seem to be Nizke Mamon, when my Mamon causes Hezek, as the Ram says. There are, four, there are four types of Mamon Hamazik. There's what we call Keren, where the, where the ox gores. There's Shane Varegel, where the ox damages by Shane, by eating, by Regel, by walking. There's Bar and the Zesh. These are four categories of my Mamon Hamazik. And th- that, that's the subject of much of Parshas Mishpatim. So we have Adam HaMazik and we have Maman HaMazik. Maman HaMazik itself is divided into four, four, four further categories. Karen, one. Shane Paragel, two. Bar, three. Aish is four. These all have different dinim. This is what much of the first parak of Babakama is discussing. Now, now, so again, the person himself can be mazik, or his property can be mazik. What happens when his children are mazik? If, a, if, if you bring your child into a store, into a neighbor's house, and the child causes hezek, 
you didn't damage. The child is not yours. The child is not your property. So what's the halacha in this case? So the halacha is, this is a Mishnah. The Mishnah says that the Mishnah says that the that if a if a katan cheri shot of a katan deaf mute a shota uh, someone who's mentally incapacitated a katan a minor pigiyasan ra an encounter with them is disadvantageous hachovel behen chayev if you injure them you can't win if you injure them you're chayev however if they injure you they are potter and the clear implication is and that's what all the post can say the father is potter as well this is some parents are potter as well. This is something that's maybe not entirely, not entirely obvious. People, I think, naturally assume that parents have some responsibility for what their kids do. That is not the halacha. This is a clear halacha that if a child, a minor, under Barabbas Mitzvah causes damage, no one is chayev, pigiyas and ra. The child is not chayev, the parents are not chayev, nobody's chayev. The father's not chayev because it's not Adam Amazik, he didn't cause the damage, it's not Maman Amazik, the child is not your property that caused the hezek. We'll see later. We'll, 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 not we'll see later, but in the context of child custody, there, there, is, there are some opinions that a parent does have some kind, of, some kind of right to his children, but he's not your property, and therefore it's not, it's not, it's not Mama Namazik, and he, the cousin himself is not Chayev, therefore it is Pigiyasan, Pigiyasan Ra. We should note that the Mishnah says there's another category of Pigiyasan Ra, which includes Isha, Ha'eved Isha a slave, an Ebed Kanani, or, or, or a married woman, it's also Pigiyas and Ra. Similar idea, that if you injure them, you're Chayev. If they injure you, that they are Pater. However, that is, 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 is very different. They're, they're actually Chayev. The Ebed himself is Chayev. The, the, woman, the married woman is Chayev. The problem is they have no money. The, because the, the, the property is in control of somebody else, belongs to somebody else. But they have to pay later. That if the Niskarsha Isha, if she gets divorced and she has property, Nishtachar Eved, then they have property, they're Chayef to pay. So this kind of Pigiyas and Ra just means that in principle there's a Chayef. The, the Eved and the Isha are, adult, are adults with responsibility for their actions. Just in practice they can't pay because they don't have assets while, they're, while, they're, while, while he's a slave, while she's married, they don't have assets which, which can be seized by a creditor, by the, by the victim. But the Pigyasin Ra of a Katan, as we'll discuss in detail soon, that Pigyasin Ra is absolute. There is no liability at all, period, according to almost all postkim. Again, the father has no liability because it's not his property that caused Hezek. And the child has no liability because he's a minor. He's, he's Potter in general. A Katan is generally Potter for whatever he does. And therefore, he is, and therefore, the victim is out of luck. He, will, he, he is fundamentally unable to collect permanently. Rambam writes, that if they cause injury, they are not liable. Rambam adds, even if their condition is cured, the shota, the shota we're able to fix his, his mental incapacity, the child grows up, we fix his being a minor. Nevertheless, it doesn't matter, it's still potter. Why? They were not considered b'nei das. They were not considered mentally competent when they caused the injury, and therefore they are not chayev even when they grow up. Rambam does add that the Rambam does add. He repeats the same thing in Hilchos Gneva that a katan is potter if he steals. He's potter from paying kefal, paying the penalty of double. He has to give back the stolen property. He's not his. If he still has the stolen property, we make him give it back. But we don't pay kefal. He doesn't pay kefal because he's not chayev. 
And if he lost the stolen property, then he doesn't have to pay, because even when he grows up, again, because he's not liable for whatever he did, as long as the property is still intact, it reverts to the owner. If we, if we track it down, we give it back to the owner. But he himself has no responsibility to make the owner whole. However, the Rambam adds, that notwithstanding, Bastin should impose corporal punishment on the Ketanim, as much as they can tolerate, in order to uh, train them not to do this. And that applies to other Nazikin as well. It applies to other Nazikin as well, that if a Katan causes damage, we, we, he's not liable, but we punish him. We punish him physically by, by beating, because he has to be taught, he has to be trained not to do this. Magamishna comments, he doesn't know of a, an explicit source for this in, in the Talmud, in rabbinic literature, but it's Pashat, he says. Even though, he says, there's machlokas in the Gemara, whether a, whether a, a katan is okam levelos, a katan is eating non-kosher food, he's eating pig. Is, there a, is Basin obligated to stop him? It's machlokas, a major machlokas in the Gemara. That, that whole machlokas, that maybe there's no, that, that maybe there's no oblig, we can't give it, everyone agrees we can't give him the, we can't give him tray food, but, but, but we don't have to stop him, according to one opinion. That's only by Varish Makam. That's a that's a virus with their victimless crimes, where it's only between the person and God. He's a katan, we don't worry about it. But a Varish Madlachavero, civil offenses, offenses that have victims, Vade Lo, we, we cannot let the katan do this, it's Pashut, Mafrishinoso, we stop him. Stop him means not just we stop him right now, means we, we beat him according to the Ram to, to, so that it doesn't happen in the future. Because we don't want him to be injuring other people. So it's Pashut that we use, uh, that, we t- that, that we impose punitive measures. Not, we don't make him pay compensation, but we impose punitive measures to make him, to make him not, uh, to make sure he doesn't do this again. Now, we mentioned that Rambam says that the Katan doesn't have to pay even when he grows up. That's the opinion of most Poskim. Most Rishonim and Akronim say this. There is one dissenting opinion, and that is the opinion of the Arzarua. Bitzvah Arzarua, one of the great early Poskim of Ashkenaz, the Arzarua is, ba- is, is basing himself on a, on, a, on a brief Gemara in Bavakama. The Gemara in Bavakama is discussing a certain category of damage called Dina de Garmi. It's a certain kind of indirect damage where, nevertheless, it's considered serious enough, uh, direct enough that you're chayef. So one example of Dina de Garmi that the Gemara is discussing is if, if someone burns someone else's star. Someone else has a document, a star, an instrument which you can use to collect a debt. And if that instrument is destroyed, he'll be unable to collect the debt. Someone then goes and burns and destroys the star, which thereby which results in his being unable to collect the debt. Is that called mazik or not? I didn't destroy the debt. I just destroyed your proof. I destroyed the paperwork you need to collect the debt. That's not called classic mazik. That's called dina de garmi. It's considered an indirect damage to the debt, but it's a, it's a pretty uh, gross and relatively direct form of indirect. So that's called Dina de Garmi. The Gemara brings Machlokas, what the halacha is. And the Gemara says, Hava Uvda, there was once a case, Vakafye Rafram Luravashi, Rafram compelled, he was Kofa, he forced Ravashi, he made Ravashi pay, he made, apparently he made Ravashi pay for burning somebody's star. Ravashi once burned somebody's star, Rafram compelled him to pay for it. That's a simple reading of the Gemara. That's how Rashi understands. Rashi says, well, what happened here? Ravashi was Saraf Shtar Chavero. Ravashi had committed this offense of burning somebody's star. Ravashi? Rashi says, be I'll do so. This key word launched a major discussion of the Rishonim and Achronim. Rashi said he did it, be I'll do so, in his youth. 
Ravashi had a wild youth. He burned somebody's star, and Raphram eventually caught him and made him pay for it. What does Rashi want by saying, be al so? So the Arzeruah brings this Rashi. First he brings the Mishnah that says, pig and ra, and he says that, he says he understands the Mishnah to mean that on the one hand, since the Mishnah divided Isha and Evan on the one hand, and Cheri Shotfikat on the other hand, into two different categories of pig and ra, they're all pig and ra, but the Isha and the Eved, they pay if they ever have the means to pay. Katana doesn't say that. That would imply that the Katana never has to pay. On the other hand, he says, the way Rashi understands the story of Raphram and Ravashi, Rashi seems to understand that a katan is chayev to pay when he grows up. Because Rashi says he was a katan, Ravashi was a katan when he burned the star, and yet when Raphram caught him, he made him pay. Not when he was a katan, but when he grew up, apparently Raphram made him pay. So, says the Arzerua, you see from this Gemara, as understood by Rashi, that when, when a katan causes damage, when a katan causes damage, he has to pay when he grows up. Not like the Rambam. That is the shita of the Arzerua, brought by the Gazashri, that a katan is chayef to pay when he grows up. Now, some Rishonim learn, some Poskim learn, that's not, that's not what happened in the story at all. That Ravashi didn't burn anybody's star. Ravashi was a dayan. That Ravashi had a dintara involving somebody who burned a star. And Ravashi himself was inclined, based on the sugya of Dina de Garmi, the, the technical halachas of that sugya, Ravashi was inclined to rule that he was pater. Kafke Raphram, Raphram made him, made him be Mechayev. Raphram overruled him and said, no, I'm your senior, I want you to pass in Chayev. So Ravashi didn't do anything. The, the, the actual burner of the star was, was some unnamed person of this Tintara. But it means that Raphram, it means that it just, the Mar just means that, that Raphram made Ravashi rule Chayev against his initial judgment. It's Machlokes in the Gemara, whether burning a star is Chayev, and that Ravashi wanted to rule in accordance with the Shita that it was Pater, and Raphra made him, Raphra made him be Mechayev, the person. This is how the Ravon learns, Rabbeinu Yonason, and the Marshal. Again, the Marshal says that he doesn't like the Arzeruah's Pshat, because the Icar is, like the Rambam, that a Katan Shezik is Pater when he grows up. Therefore, the Marshal says, like the Ravon, like Rabbeinu Yonason, that Ravashi was not the Dayan, Ravashi was just the Dayan, there was no Yalduso here, it was simply uh, some other person who burned a star. Ravashi was inclined to rule Pater, Raphra made him rule Chayev, so this Gemara has nothing to do with Katan Shezik. However, most Rishonim follow Rashi. Most Poskim seem to accept the understanding of Rashi, the simple reading of the Gemara, that Ravashi himself was the one who burned the star. And again, Rashi's bothered. Ravashi, the great Ravashi, wasn't going around burning people's stars. So Rashi says he was a katan. I'll do so. And yet, the Gemara says, Rafa made him pay. So that's the Arzuru's Raya, not like the Rambam, that you see that a katan has to pay when he, when, when he grows up. Now, a number of Rechonim Amadcha this Raya, even if we assume that Ravashi burned the star, and even if we assume, like Rashi, that it was Bialduso when he was young, it doesn't mean when he was literally a minor, when he was literally a, literally a katan. It means when he, he was a teenager, he was a young man. It means Ravashi, the senior, distinguished, mature Ravashi, would have never burned people's stars. He was a teenager, he was a little wild, even after his bar mitzvah. He was still, teenagers are sometimes not as mature as they, uh, they, don't, they, don't, they don't have the level of maturity they reach in later years. That's all Rashi means. So, even the great Ravashi, even after his bar mitzvah, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't a uh, perfect tzaddikid. He still was a little bit wild. That's how the Maram Padua learns. He says, he brings Arzeruah, he brings the Rambam, he says, the Rambam understood. Ravashi was 13. He says, even Rashi, Rashi says, Bikatnuso. He just means that Ravashi wouldn't have done it, the mature Ravashi wouldn't have done it. You find the Gemara sometimes uses Bialduso to mean 
when a person was relatively young, not, not before bar mitzvah, means he was younger than, 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 than he was later in life. It doesn't mean he was literally a, a katan. We find that when they sold Yosef, so Ruvain referred to Yosef at that time as a yelet. He was 17, Ruvain called him a yelet. So that's a sheet of the Maram Padua. Even Rashi doesn't mean he was literally a katan. It means he was a teenager, he was a young man, but it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that he was at, literally a katan. Kidule Truma, Kidule Truma also says, uh, also understands, the, also proposes understanding the Gemara this way. He says that, Katnusa, Rashi didn't use the word Katnusa, which has a very specific legal meaning of a minor. Y'all do so. He was already not a katan. He was young, but he wasn't a katan. Um, Rashi means, how could Ravashi have done such a thing? So Rashi says he did it when he was a young man, but, uh, but certainly not when he was a katan. Similarly, in the, the Ginas Radim, he also learns this way. He says it's, it's Pashut, that, that a katan shizik is potter even when he grows up. Ravashi means when he was a young man. Adayan hosta naris kshura belibo. He still had the, the folly and the recklessness of youth. Was still, uh, was still, he still had, a, he still had some, a whiff of the folly and recklessness of youth. Avadi, he was a gadol. And uh, he also brings, the Gemara sometimes uses the word yaldusa, even for older people, when it just means they were relatively young, not that they were literally katanim. The, the Mara Mardechai says the same thing. He says that we don't mean he was literally a katan. He was a teenager. He was young, he says. It's not a chasaran in his, uh, his shlemus, in his reputation, to say that when he was young, he said, maybe he got into a fight with someone, he says, he was chayev, he didn't have a real excuse, but he was young, he was, uh, he was young, he, was, he had a short fuse back then. But, uh, okay, but it doesn't mean he was literally a katan. Okay, so if we learn the Gemara like that, then there's no raya to the Arzeruah. The Bach says no. The Bach says that uh, no, he was literally a katan because because when, once he's a gadol, there's no difference in halacha whether you're whether you're 15 or 55. He says either way, if you're an adult, you're an adult. So okay, that's how the Arzuru understood. The Arzuru understood Rashi literally that Yalduso meant he was a minor, but many other Akronim are that Ravashi was not actually a minor. Ravashi was actually an adult. Some say even if we assume Ravashi was uh, an adult. The question is, if, if Ravashi was an, an adult, and how could he have done this? So some say it was, it was an accident, it was an onus or a shogig. He wasn't; he didn't do it deliberately. Ravashi didn't mean to do it. He had some kind of accident that he uh, accidentally torched somebody's star. So the question is: so that the obvious question is then, yes, exactly, is a person really chayer for doing something bonus? So the answer is, and this is what the Papul Charifta, the Tosus Yantov's commentary on the Rush. Pulukharifta says, there is a rule, there is a rule in Babakama that when, again, we, we, distinguish, we, we began by, by, by distinguishing between two categories of mazik, Adma mazik, where the person causes damage directly, and Maman mazik, where his property causes damage. So Maman mazik, there's a requirement of negligence, that, that, that unless, unless there's some element of negligence, then you have to be Pashaya, or, or, or some, some appropriate level of negligence, there's no Chiyo for Maman mazik. You tie up your shar. And someone left, someone unties it, you tie up your shar, and the shar gets some kind of uh, mania and uproots its whole chain and runs off. But it was, it was, it was, it was a reasonably secure, uh, se- secure attachment. You're not chayev. If an act of God, lightning, hurricane winds come and, and cause your property to cause damage, you're not chayev. That ruach shen matuya and so on, you're not chayev from Mamun Hamazik. Adam Hamazik, however, the, the Mishnah says, Adam Mu'ad La'olam, a person is always liable for actions that he does directly, 
bein bein ones bein bein ones bein shogeg bein mazid yuchayev even for ones that you don't need pshia that 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 you're always chayev adam mod la olam so that's what the that's what pulukrifa says that you're chayev because of that 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 you're chayev because of that that you're chayev because adam mod la olam he says yeah. The Sharmishbat adds an additional twist. The Sharmishbat also suggests that the that there is a din of Adam Wad La'olam. However, he says, as we mentioned before, the damage that you do by burning somebody's star is not real mazik. It's called Dina de Garmi. It's a, it's a kind of grama, it's a kind of indirect mazik, but it's a particularly egregious kind of kind of grama for which you We pass like a mayor that you chayev for Dina de Garmi. That's actually a machlokus. That's actually a shaila. Whether the that that, that that that's actually a shaila. Whether dina de garmi is chay. Whether we say ademud laolam, it's not real ademamazik. That's actually a question. Whether we say ademud laolam. Shemesh but says the rabbim l'shitase hold dina de garmi is a din daraisa. So it is really kulaik ademamazik. So you are chay for ademud laolam. However, he says the uh, he, he says, but you know there might be other opinions that you're not chay. But the might be other opinions that you're not chayev, but the Rambam at least understood. The Rambam says you're not chayev even when you grow up, and the Rambam therefore says the Ravashi was a gadol. He would explain that Ravashi did it baonis or b'shogeg or b'tos and or baonis. You know, you still chayev because other more laolam. So so we can have our cake and eat it. It's not disrespectful to Ravashi. It's not a it's not a criticism of Ravashi that that he that he had an accident through no real fault of his own that he that he damaged somebody's star. But nevertheless, he's chayev because other more laolam. So that's how that's how the that's how the that's how Samachronim learned. So again, we don't, we don't have to say Rashi was a minor. We can say he did it. Uh, we can say he did a bonus, and the we can say we can say he did a bonus, and the and the we can say he did a bonus, and, and and that's why even though he was a gadol, he's chayev, he's chayev, but, but he's still potter, but he's but but he's still still not considered. Uh, a denigration of Ravashi to say that he got into an accident and damaged somebody's star bonus. The, the Sharmishpur adds an interesting point. He says the Gemara sometimes brings a rule that it's 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 uh, Hashem, Hashem causes tzaddikim to, uh, to to he he causes them to uh, to, to to avoid uh, doing yisurim. The Gemara talks about cases where, where tzaddikim ate things that seem to be usher, not realizing says, how can that happen. It says even the behemtan shel tzaddikim, even the animals of tzaddikim, the chamarver and pinchas benyar that the I, that, that it wouldn't eat food that wasn't uh, that wasn't kosher, that didn't have mice taken off. So certainly Hashem would save tzaddikim from doing averus. But the Shemeshva brings the brings what Tosa says that, that it's only midi. It, it's all, it only applies to food. Eating food that's usher, the food goes into your body. That, that that's more of a, that, that that's that's more of something that we that Hashem wants them to avoid, wants to help them avoid. But other types of averus, if it's not their fault, if they're anonists or if they're making a mistake. Hashem doesn't uh, intervene to stop them from doing things bonus. Ravashi could have done it bonus, even though he was an adult. Ravashi could have done it bonus. Okay. The sheet of the Taz. The sheet of the Taz is that really Ravashi would have been potter. He was a cotton. Really, he would have been potter. So then, why did, why did Rafa make him pay? He was not Chayef Mikra Din. But Rafa made him pay. As per a Gemara in the end of Bamatia, a lovely Gemara. Talk about it all the time. In the end of the sixth paragraph of Metzia, the Gemara brings a story that a certain Chacham in the Gemara hired workers. He hired porters to carry some wine from place to place. And in the course of their work, they broke the barrel of wine. So he assumed, Alpidin, they were liable. 
So he sees their clothing as collateral, as, as, as payment, uh, to make sure that, that, they, that he, they would compensate him for the wine. They took him to a dintara, and the Dayan said, another Chacham the Gemara, the Dayan said, give them back their clothing. So he asked, Dina Hachi, is that the din? He, he, he knew very well that was not the din, that the din was that they were Chayim and he could keep their clothing. So the Gemara, so the Gemara says, he, the Dayan answered, in that is a din, because the Pasukin Mishlei says, Laman Telech Baderach Tovim. That, you, that you're supposed to aspire to walk in the, in, in the path, in the way of the good. So they were having a good day in court, so they turned around, and they sued him for their, for their wages. They said, they said, we're poor, we're hungry, we worked all day hoping to, get, hoping to get our wages so we can eat, and now we have nothing, so we want to get paid. So the Dayan said, pay them, pay them their wages. He said, Dinahi, is that the din? It's not enough that I'm not charging them for breaking my wine. I should pay them for a job that was not well done. Why, is that the din? He told him yes. He quoted the end of the Pasuk in Mishlei. The beginning of the Pasuk is, Laman Telech Baderach Tovim. The end of the Pasuk is, Va'archa Sadikim Tishmar. And you should keep the paths of the. You should. And you should. You should keep the paths of the. Of Tadikim. So basically, it's, it's an idea of Lefimashur Sadin. <coughs> it's an idea of lefnimishur sadin. Even though al din, you wouldn't be chayev, but lefnimishur sadin, you're chayev. Some some post gemara medayik from the gemara, some post gemara medayik from this gemara that even lefnim, that even if something is only lefnimishur sadin, it's a chiyuv. He asked dina hachi, is that the din? The dain said yes, it is a din. He didn't say no, it's not the din, but you should do it anyway. He said yes, it is a din, and the dain even made him pay. It sounds like the dain even uh, even even told him he has to pay. Some folks can actually say you can be kofet for lefimashur sadin. You can compel somebody to abide by lefimashur sadin. So the, but one way, not, not all posts can agree. It's a major machlokas. Some say you can use moral suasion. You can't actually use coercion. Al kalpan on the Taz says we see in that gemara that the dayan can say yes, go pay. He can say dina hachi. That's what Raphram did when it's, when it says Raphram was kafiel ravashi, compelled ravashi to pay. Really, he was patra because he was a katan. But he told Ravashi, Lefimashur didn't you really have to pay? Technically, you're not chay because you were a katan, but it's your fault. You did it, and even though you're not chay of al pidin, you should you have moral responsibility. And Lefimashur said, "Din, I'm going to make you pay. You really need to pay, Ravashi. You really need to step up here and pay for the damage that you caused." The Bach, Taz's father-in-law, the Bach has a different explanation. The Bach says, again, he was a katan, and if he most post him a katan, does not have to pay. So if a cotton doesn't have to pay, why did Rafra make Ravashi pay? So the Bach says, we mentioned the Rambam earlier, the Rambam says, <coughs> the Rambam says that even though when a cotton damages, when a cotton steals or damages, he has no liability, but we have to teach him a lesson. We have to make sure he's not going to do this again. So we beat him. We impose corporal punishment to uh, discourage a repeat of such behavior. So Raphram planned on doing that to Ravashi. Apparently, according to this chat, apparently Raphram found Ravashi while he was still a cotton, it sounds like, and that he was, I guess he wasn't Ravashi then, he was, uh, he was still Ashi. He says, he says, but they, Raphram was prepared to thrash him because he can't do this. Ravashi said, you know what, let me just pay him back. I'm not Machuyev, I'm a cotton, I'm not interested in getting beaten up, let me just pay him back, even though I'm not Machuyev, and... Did he, did, did he have money? Maybe he had his bar mitzvah money. I don't know what he had. Maybe he wasn't bar mitzvah yet even. Maybe, maybe, how did he have money? I'm not sure. But somehow Ravashi had the means to do it. 
and the Bach is telling us the Chiddush, I suppose, that, that even though the Rambam says that when a cotton causes damage, we, we're supposed to beat him to teach him a lesson, apparently he can buy his way out of it. If he has the money and he's prepared to pay, then he can simply pay. And again, I'm not, is that fair? Is that uh, what happens to a cotton who doesn't have the money? Is, does he deserve to get beaten more than the rich cotton does? The cotton who has... Uh, the law sometimes is like that, I guess, that the, that the rich can buy their way out of, out of, uh, out of punishment and the poor have to... Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how this works. Again, if, 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 the, if the rich person is going to pay, there still is a need to teach him a lesson. Maybe there's punitive damages. I don't know. I'll call upon him. This is what the Bach assumes that the, of course he was a katan because Rashi never would have done this when he was a gadol. And he was literally a katan. Bach doesn't like this thing about teenager. Gadol is gadol, katan is katan. Katan, yalduso, katan, he was a, he was a, he was a katan, a minor. Nikritin, he's not chayev. So why did Rafra make him pay? So the answer is because, the, the answer is because he, he, made, the, he, he made him pay because he didn't really make him pay, but he threatened to beat him because that's what we do to katanim who cause damage. And in order to avoid, in order to avoid... Uh, <coughs> in, order, in, in order to avoid in order to avoid getting beaten, Ravashi offered to pay. That's what it means, Ravashi made him pay. The Bach actually invokes this in a tshuva, Halacha Lamaisa. The Bach has a, uh, an important tshuva, a terrible case. Apparently there's a custom there was, there was a custom, maybe there still is, in some parts of Europe, Eastern Europe and Russia, that when, when people are reveling together and drinking so part of the ritual was they would toast each other and then somebody would take the glass and hurl it at the wall and smash it. The glass shatters and that's a dangerous thing to do and that's what they used to do. And apparently there was once a case there were some young men they, they were at a wedding party together somebody threw a glass, a shard of glass hit somebody in the eye and cost somebody his eye. So the Bach has a, a, an important and, and uh, much quoted tshuva on whether he's chayev or not. The Bach has various arguments for whether he's chayev or not. One of the arguments is that he was drunk. He, he, wasn't, he, he wasn't sober when he did this. We, we know in the law, pleading drunkenness... That today we say that drunkenness is, is, is an aggravating factor. If you, try, if you get into an accident and you tell the cop, it's not my fault, I was drunk, that's not going to go over well. But, uh, but in halacha, there is a halacha that, that a shikr is not chay, in some, in some contexts is considered like a shota, and he's not chay for what he does, certainly if you reach the darg of shechrusa shalot. So the Bach is discussing whether, whether there's a p'tur for shechrusa shalot. The Bach says no. The Bach has various arguments. One of the Bach's arguments is <coughs> you, you can't plead that you're drunk. You shouldn't have gotten so drunk. If, if that's how you act when you're drunk, then common sense, you shouldn't have gotten drunk, and you're chay for getting drunk. So that, that's not an excuse. But additionally, in, in the context of our, our discussion, the Bach says that, that, that the Bach says that the that that he, he discusses our sugya. The Rashi says Ravashi was a minor when he uh, Rashi, Rashi was a minor. Says the Bach, the Pshat is not like the Arzarua that you're, that you're higher for what you do when you're, drunk, when you're minor when you get older. Avadil Allah is like the Rambam, like most posts can say, a minor is permanently putter. So, so what did Rashi mean when he said that, 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 that Rafa made him pay for what he did when he was a minor? Bach learned he was literally a minor. So the Bach in the Tshuva says the same thing he says in his commentary to the Torah. It means Rafa was, was going to beat him to teach him a lesson, and Ravashi agreed to pay to avoid a beating. Says the Bach, the same thing applies in his case as well. Even if we're going to say that someone who's Shekrus or Shalot 
is putter for what he does permanently. Not like we said before that saying you were drunk is a is, is a get is a get out of uh, is a get out of compensation a free card. You don't have to pay if you did it when you're drunk. Okay, but you still have to get beaten to teach you a lesson not to do this again. So we have to we have we have so we have to impose corporal punishment. And if you decide to pay to avoid punishment like Ravashi did, then you, you better pay. But that's what the box says. You're not going to get away from this scot free, even if you're going to say that someone who is drunk like Lot is is not technically chayef what he did. But there is going to be a severe punishment, and if you don't want that severe punishment, in practice you had better offer to pay. Otherwise, we are going to teach you a lesson that you won't soon forget. In general, many poskim, many poskim, many akron discuss this question as well, of whether there is a chiyuv when you when you when you reach maturity for what you did when you were a katan. And again, most akronim say that the arzerua is a das yachid. We don't paskin like that, and the, the that we don't paskin like that. There are, however, some poskim who argue that as a form of tshuva, we mentioned the Taz who says, El Nimashur din you should pay. And similarly, there are poskim who argue that as a form of tshuva or midas chasidus, a person should do something to expiate, uh, to, to make up for what he did when he was a katan. Shefer chasidim. Shefer chasidim is always a tricky work. It was a very important work by Rehuda Chasid. The problem is, as the name sounds, Sefer chasidim, the book of chasidim, not everything in there is necessarily strict halacha. It's sometimes not always clear when he says something, whether he's telling you the actual halacha or he's telling you the, the pious conduct, he writes there, someone came to a chacham and he said, I remember when I was a katan, I stole from people, I did other averis, and maybe I'm patra, I wasn't bar mitzvah, he says, so maybe, so, so maybe, uh, maybe I don't need tshuva. The chacham said, no, anything that you, any aver you remember that you did, any theft you remember committing, you have to pay. It brings a riot from a gemara. It says Yoshiyahu, King Yoshiyahu became king as a young man, and, and he sat as a dayan. The Gemara Darshan said when he became bar mitzvah, he repaid money that he compelled people to pay. In case, since he may have been wrong when he was a katan, he paid out of pocket for the for, for, for money that he was mechayah people before he was bar mitzvah. He was a katan when he did it. Nevertheless, he says that the that you see uh, he, that someone should pay when he grows up for anything he, that, he, that he did wrong when he was a katan. Again, it's not clear if this is Mikra Din. Uh, others say this is only Midas Chasidus, but there is an idea that a person should try to make amends for what he did when he was a Katar. The, the, the widely quoted discussion of this is the Truma Sedeshin. Truma Sedeshin is not talking about damages, it's talking about Averis in general. A Katan was a, uh, again, the, the kid was, uh, was uh, a, a problematic child. He cursed his father when he was 11 years old. He did another Avera. He said, Aid the Shekher. Not sure how he was aid at all when he was a Katan, but he was, uh, <coughs> he perjured himself. He did various things wrong when he was a Katan. Says the Truma Sedeshin. Me'ikra Din, he's not Chaya for any Onshim. Me'ikra Din, just as he's Potter from civil compensation for, for, for things he did when he's a Katan, he's Potter from, from Onshim, he's Potter from any obligation to do tshuva, from any, he's Potter from any consequence of sin for anything he did when he was a Katan. And, and in general, in general, he says that that's, that's the ikr lahalacha, that a person is, there are, there are no consequences, there's no liability for what a person does while he's a katan. However, he says, there, there, are, there is an opinion that, that you have to pay. He seems to be quoting, it's not clear who's quoting, there's a question about the girsi, he seems to be quoting this arzerua, that the Ravashi was chayef to pay when he, when he grew up for what he did when he was a, a katan. Says the Truman Sadeshan, there is such an Indian. It's not clear if he's 
he doesn't seem to really pass like the Jerusalem tradition. Nobody passed him like that. But he says, we do find many places in the Talmud that it's a simon ra for a katan who stumbled in various sins when he was a katan. Not sure what a simon ra is, but, but there is some problem here. He says, therefore, it's appropriate that he should be makabel eza kapara. He should accept upon himself some type of atonement. He says, uh, not the full, uh, he, he says, I, I'm not really involved in doing tshuva samishkal, he says, and then the full rigorous tshuva that the German pietists used to do. He refers to another rabbi who would, who would help him do tshuva, he says, but he should be makabal some tshuva. And the Ramah brings this tshuva tzedashin, a person who does a verus when he's a katan, he should makabal alatzmo eza darver l'tshuva l'kapara, he should makabal something on himself for, uh, he should makabal something on himself for tshuva, the the Shvasyakov, the Shvasyakov in a tshuva says that the that which we say shemakabel something for for tshuva he says even lasadeshemayim like the tshuva tzedashin says that a person should be makabel some form of tshuva he says it doesn't mean you should pay you should make the person whole you should pay the full value of the damage that he caused tshuva tzedashin says makabel ezedavar the Ramah says do something for tshuva and therefore the mochel shouldn't demand shouldn't be overly strict in demanding restitution he says. Except he's trying to do tshuva, he's making some kind of amends, just accept it, he says. Ravadia safe as well, he's, Ravadia talks, Ravadia is a tshuva, where he goes through this entire sugya, brings all the literature, Kedarka Bakodesh, a person stole cash, he says, from a store before he was bar mitzvah, he spent it on his personal needs, now he's doing tshuva as an adult, does he have to give back the cash? Says Ravadia, maskana dedina, the halacha is, after serving all the poskim, katan, who stole or, or damaged someone's property, we don't pass like the Arzeruah, he's a das yachid. He's potter entirely, even when he grows up. He's not chayev, even lost the day shemayim. He doesn't even have a formal moral obligation. Taz said you have a flumashur zadin, but Ravadi says you're not even chayev, lost the day shemayim. Midas chasidus, he says, like the Sefer Chasidim says, like the Trumasadashin, Midas chasidus, you should give some amount of money for, for kapara, give something to make up for what you did. But that's all we expect, that there's no need to make, to make actual tashlumen for what the child did. So up till now, we've been discussing whether the child has any liability for what he's doing when he's a cotton. We mentioned the mission is pretty clear that the cotton does not, and according to most posts, even when he grows up. And the mission is also pretty clear the father or the parents have no liability either. There's no, you're stuck, you're out of luck, you're not going to get compensation for what he did. So, again, people commonly assume the parents do have some responsibility. You bring your kid into the store, he knocks the jars off the shelves, he starts eating food. Parents often do feel that they have some responsibility to... To, uh, to make the child's victims whole again. Is there any basis for that in halacha? There are two svaras posts can give for why, at least in certain specific cases, the parent might have some liability. One of them is a svara that appears in the sefer, Nachlas Elio, from Abrelio Dushnitzer. Not really familiar with the sefer. But he says that if a person brings a katan into someone's house and the kid you know, walks around at the table and smashes things, he says, and causes damage... The parents are chayef. Why? We just said pigiyas and ra. Parents are not chayef what the children did. He says, yeah, in general, a parent is not chayef for his children. Your, your neighbor knocks on your door and says, look what your kid did. He just uh, smashed my window. You're not chayef. The one, he says, in this case, though, you're chayef. If you actually bring the katan in and you place him into the, you place your little mazik into the place, into the, into the property that he causes damage, that's chayef. And his source for this is, there's a gemara that says, we, we mentioned, we began the share by saying that if a person, that this, this, there's mom and hamazik, if my mom and mazik, if my ox causes damage, I'm chayef. If someone else's ox causes damage, I'm not chayef. He's chayef. If it's a hefker ox, nobody's chayef. 
What if I take someone else's axe and I place it on top of someone else's property? I take, Reuven takes Shimon's axe and he leads it into Levi's property and the ox eats up the property. Reuven takes Shimon's ox and leads it into Levi's field and the ox eats Levi's vegetables. So if, if Reuven actually took the ox and brought it into the field and brought it on top of the vegetables, then Reuven is chayv, even though it's not his ox, it's not really, it's not a simple mamana mazik, it's not his ox. Nevertheless, if he actually placed the ox there, that is called mamid behemas chavero, kamas chavero, and yuchayv. Says, says in Nachman Selayo, the same thing applies to your child, even though he's not your property. But just like I can be chayev for someone else's, someone else's ox if I place it in a, in a place where it causes hezek, so too I can be chayev for my child if I place him in a place where he causes hezek. However, the Pesachay Choshen says, that's the, one, Choshen, one of the great authorities of Choshen Mishpah of the 20th century, he said, that's, first of all, that's only if you actually place the kid on top of the table or right on top of the property. Simply bringing him into the general area, the house of your friend, bringing him close to the property, enabling him to get there, that's not Mamed. Mamed, Mamed Behemoth Chavero is only if you place him directly in contact with the property he damages. So if you take your kid and you uh, put him on the shelf full of jars of, uh, and, he, and he, no, he knocks them off, you're Chayef. But if you, if you just bring him into the store and, and, and let him walk around with you and he wanders off and, and grabs something and breaks it, you would not be Chayef. Furthermore, he says that the... Furthermore, the Pitzchoshim says that some understand that the din of Mamed is really a din of Mamed Hamazik, even though it's not literally your Mamed, but uh, it's like it's your Mamed. It's like, it's, it's like Shane Varegel. It's like it's yours because you put it there. That, he says, can't apply, cannot apply to a Katzen because the Katzen is not property in the first place. So he's not sure if the entire paradigm of Mamed applies here at all. And even if it does, he says, it will only apply if you literally put the child in direct proximity right on top of the property that he damages. There is another approach that, uh, that, that some posts can suggest to hold the, the parents chayv in certain cases. And this is proposed by Rav Zalman Lechemia Goldberg in an article in Truman. And I once, Rav Zalman Lechemia Goldberg, one of the leading experts of Choshen Mishpat, also in the last portion of the last century in Eretz Yisrael, beginning of the 21st century. And the, additionally by, I once heard this in the name of Rav Shlomo Miller of Toronto and Lakewood. There's a halacha Again, going back to Mamana Masik, if I leave unsecured property around, I leave some kind of item in, in my lawn, and a chicken comes running along, and its legs get tangled up, it has, my thing has a string attached to it, and the, the, the chicken gets tangled up in the string, it goes running off, dragging my, my, my item around with it, and it knocks my thing into a... Uh, I leave a tennis racket on the floor. The chicken runs over and gets its feet tangled up in the tennis racket, and the chicken runs and whacks the racket into, a, into, somebody's, uh, into somebody's property and damages it. I'm chayef. Not my chicken. I'm chayef anyway. Why? I'm chayef for my tennis racket. Even though my tennis racket is inanimate and it, stayed, it would have stayed at one place if not for the chicken. But chickens are a fact of life. Chickens are part of the environment in which I and my tennis racket find ourselves. And therefore, I'm supposed to anticipate that just like Ruch Matuya, if I leave my property in a place where, a, where, a, where a, 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 a common wind can knock it off and cause it to cause damage, I leave something balanced precariously on a roof or on a wall, where a, where, where a, where a, a normal wind, not a hurricane, a regular wind can knock it off and it can fall on someone's car and damage it, I'm chayev, because by leaving my property in a place where a wind can knock it over, I'm chayev. Here too, the Gemara says, if I leave my property in such a place where it's feasible, where it's, where it's quite plausible for a chicken to get tangled up and drag it and, and crash and crash it into something and cause damage, I'm chayef. That's called Barha Meskalgal Baragli Adam or Baragli Behema. 
I'm chayev not for the chicken, it's not my chicken, I'm chayev for my unsecured property. Says Rav Naman Goldberg that if I leave property around and in a place where a kid can get it, my kid or really anybody's kid, I guess, if I leave property around in a, in a place where a kid can get it and the kid takes the property and causes damage, so I leave a knife or a hammer or something lying where a kid can get it, the kid takes it and smashes something with it, I'm chayef. Not for the kid. The kid is piggy off and raw. I'm chayef for the hammer. I, I, you can't leave a hammer around where a kid can, can, can get it and cause harm. I, I, heard, I, I heard this many years ago, a couple of decades ago, but I think I heard something similar from Rav Miller. He was talking about a case where, where a family is renting or borrowing an apartment for, uh, for a period of time, and their kid takes the toilet paper and tosses a whole bunch of it in the toilet and jams the toilet and causes uh, damage to the house. Are the parents chayef? So on the one hand, they're not chayef what their kid did. Not even Maimed. The kid just wandered into the bathroom and played with the toilet paper and damaged the toilet. So you're not chayef what your kid does. On the other hand, Rav Miller suggested you're chayef because of Bara Miskalgel. You're chayef because, even if it's not your toilet paper, but you're a shomer on the house. You're, you, you, when, you, when you have custody of the house, you, it's your responsibility to keep uh, dangerous things away from kids or keep the kids away from the dangerous things. So therefore, you would be chayev not for the kid, you'd be chayev for leaving unsecured, unsecured property which can become dangerous if the kid gets his hands on it. However, Postkim say this as well has limitations. Rabbi Akiva Kahana, apparently a Talmud of Zalman Nechemia, and uh, another anonymous article on the Din Online website, they point out this is only something which is something shriach, something that can reasonably be expected to happen. If my kid is likely to do this, then uh, if kids are likely to do this, then yes, then, then I'm chayef to secure the property. If it was just a freak and unusual thing, I wouldn't be chayef. But insofar as the object I left around is something that can foreseeably and plausibly be taken by the cotton and used to cause harm, then they have, the, then they have this, this possibility that then you have this argument in the, the, the parents, the owners of the property, for leaving their property unsecured in a place where it can be taken by a katan and used to cause damage. It's a little late, but I just want to discuss one, one final topic, moving away from children, and that is machines, whether autonomous vehicles or artificial intelligences, if we ever get there. <laughs> is a person chayev for what his self-driving car does? Is a person chayev for what his uh, robot butler does? So there's a very interesting discussion in, 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 in a Mishnah. The halacha is, we mentioned earlier, that one of the other categories of Pegiyas and Ra is Evid. If an Evid causes damage, an Evid Kanani, a Kananite slave, causes damage, the, the owner is potter. The Evid himself is, has no money now, but he will be chayev to pay if he ever gets money. But the owner is potter. The Mishnah relates that this was uh, apparently a dispute between the Tzedukim, the Sadducees, and the Purushim, the, the Pharisees. The, tzedu- the, the Pharisees said, animal, Yechayah for Mamna Mazik, for your animal that causes Hezek, your Potter for an Eva that causes Hezek. Eva is also property, but the Purushim said, the Purushim are us, the Chachamim, we said, Yechayah Mamna Mazik for your animal, not for your Eva. The Purushim, the, the Tzedukim said, I don't understand, why should that be? I should certainly be chayev for, for what your Eved does, because you're, you, you have responsibility to make them not do Averis. An ox and a donkey are not, you know, are not, they're, they're, not, they're not in the parish of mitzvahs and Averis, and Eved, you're chayev to stop from doing Averis. So why shouldn't I be chayev for not securing my Eved and stopping him from causing damage? So the Mishnah says that the Prushim answered, 
in theory, that, that might be a valid argument, that if I'm chayef from my shor, I ought to be chayef from my evert as well. However, we can't, we can't make him be chayef for what his evert does, because they're intelligent. And therefore what? If the, right, and therefore if the halacha would be, if the halacha would be that I'm chayef for what they do, that would give them tremendous leverage over me. Anytime I aggravate them, they can go and burn down someone's uh, heap of wheat, and I'll be chayef to pay. So that's an untenable situation. So the halacha has to be that the owner is potter. Rambam writes, Rambam writes, a person's not chayef for the hezek caused, for the hezek caused by his... Uh, you know, when the Mishnah says this argument, you might have thought that's just what they told the, the tzedukim, but the Rambam seems to say that's actually the real reason. That wasn't just a rhetorical uh, point-scoring thing they told the tzedukim. That was, that's the real reason why like, you're not chayef for an evad. Rambam writes, a person's not chayef for the damage caused by his avadim, even though there was property, because the, the Rambam actually says it a little differently. The Rambam gives two reasons. First, he says, because they're mentally competent, the owner is incapable of guarding them because they, they, they have minds of their own. And then he brings as far as the Gemara that if the owner would be chayev, then the, 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 anytime he got the servant angry, he can go and uh, burn something worth a thousand dinar and the owner would be chayev. So it's not, the Ram seems to be giving two reasons. First, he says it's, it's impossible to guard them because they're intelligent. And second, he says that the second he says because of this problem that the servant would have too much leverage over them. In any event, the Ram does bring the Mishnah's thing that, that it can't be that he's chayev because if he would, then the, if he would, then the, then the, the servant would have too much leverage over his master. So it's, it's impossible for that to be the halacha. So one has to wonder now, what would the halacha be, turning first to artificial intelligence, what would the halacha be if a person had a, an artificially intelligent uh, robot, would he be chayev for what the robot did? On the one hand, it's his property. So we could argue that if you chayev for your shor, if you chayev for your ox, you chayev for your, you chayev for your esh and for your bar, why shouldn't you be chayev for your shor, for your, for your robot? On the other hand, we have as far that they're mentally competent, the Ram says. Anyone who's mentally competent, and, the, and, and maybe you can't, uh, you can't guard him, and maybe you have the svara that it would give the robot too much leverage over his, over his master, that he can go out and uh, don't tell me what to do, or I'm going to go burning down property, and you'll be chayev. Whether the robot himself could be chayev is a topic for, uh, for another time. But, the, but so you, so one could argue that maybe, that maybe an artificially intelligent uh, android uh, would, uh, the, the owner would not be chayev for him. On the other hand, you can argue that there are public policy reasons for holding him chayev. You can argue that you know, someone has to be chayev. The, the Eved, I guess, uh, you know, if, if, if the luck would be that the robots can go around doing whatever they want and there's no, and, and there's no consequence, then the, the, that might be an untenable situation. Maybe there has to be someone being liable, because otherwise, what's stopping, them from, what's stopping people from designing bad robots or from robots deciding to do whatever they want? We can argue that maybe on, on public policy grounds, there would have to be some type of liability but I'll call upon it's an interesting question. If the halacha is that an evid, because that an evid is a very curious case, we don't have a vatim today, but the evid is a case where he is your property. On the other hand, he's intelligent and he's sentient, and that itself is a reason that he's potter. So one, one has to wonder how that would apply to, uh, to an artificial, to artificially intelligent property as well. And finally, just turning briefly to the question of uh, a little more down-to-earth, to current technology, we have the you know, autonomous vehicles, self-driving cars, is the, is, is the operator chayev? So various contemporary poskim raise the question. We said, Adam would la'olam. Even, even, if there's, even if there's no great real negligence, if a person is considered Adam amazik, he's chayev. So if you're 
in the driver's seat of a self-driving car. You turned it on and gave it its orders, and it crashes into something. Maybe you're chayev for Adam Amazi. So there's an interesting paper by... The owner, right. You, you, there, there are a variety of possibilities, yes. You, we, we, you, can, you can discuss whether it would be the owner of the car, the operator of the car, the current operator of the car, the manufacturer of the car, the designers of the car. We have a variety of possibilities, but, 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 but for now, ju- just turning to the question of, of the owner or the operator of the vehicle, would either of them be chayev? So there was a paper discussing this topic in Truman, again, by Rabbi Yosef Sprung and Rabbi Yisrael Meir Malka. Two, two contemporary rabbis, they consider the question of the liability of autonomous vehicles, and they argue that for a, on a variety of grounds, there is no liability. One of them is that they argue that even if we're going to call this Adama Mazik, it's not an artificially intelligent or, autonomous entity, even if it is ultimately a machine that you control by giving it instructions of where to go. So you might think it's Adama Laolam, that we have strict liability. There's actually a major machlokus we've shown him, whether Ademuad Laola means literally strict liability, even if there's literally no negligence at all, that's apparently the shita of that's apparently the shita of the Ramban. The shita of Tosfos is that no, even Ademuad Laolam just means that we don't require gross negligence, but we do require some level of negligence. So, so Rabbi Sprung and Malka, Rabbi Sprung and Malka assume that if you drive a a, uh, a vehicle properly certified by the appropriate governmental authority as being safe and reliable, there is zero, again, unless you actually were reckless, you disabled this programming or you gave it, uh, you, you violated the, the operating instructions, but assuming you were operating it correctly and the vehicle had been ascertained to be safe and reliable by the appropriate authorities, there is zero negligence at all. And therefore, there's no reason to hold... Again, if you didn't do schedule maintenance, you failed to, uh, you failed to do, install the latest updates, you failed to, uh, you failed to, to, to follow, follow all the recall notices, that might be different. But assuming that you did everything you could, then, then there's no liability. So according to Tosfus, you're certainly potter. Even according to the Ramban, who says, seems to say it means literally, no matter what, even if there's no negligence, they quote Rav Asher Weiss's opinion that even that doesn't mean literally no fault. Rav Asher Weiss takes it as self-evident doesn't make sense that Torah will be mechai of you if there's literally nothing wrong that you did. Even the Sheet of the Ramban, he says, just means that even if once you found yourself in the situation, there was no way to avoid it, you could have avoided the whole situation to begin with, but in a case where <coughs> the case where there's literally nothing differently we could have expected you to do, even the Ramban says that you're potter. I, I don't really understand that reading of the Ramban so well. I, I have to study Rav Usher's ideas in more detail. I found a share where he seems to discuss it. I have to listen to it. But the, well, I think you might discuss it, we have to listen to it, but Rav Asher, for some reason, Rav Asher seems to understand that the Ramban, even though the Ramban says Yechayev for a, a once-in-a-generation win, he talks about the wind of Elio, the Ruach Gedol of the Chazak, the, the miraculously, incredibly strong wind that breaks mountains. Even, even that wind, the Ramban says Yechayev for, for Adam Amazik. So Rav Asher says that's because even though the wind is something you had no reason to expect, you still could have avoided the situation. Some, you could have also avoided driving the self-driving car as well. So ultimately, I don't really understand Rav Usher's position and how he understands the Ramban, but Rabbi Sprung and Malka, based on Rav Usher Weiss, understand that if, that if there's literally nothing, nothing that, that, that we can criticize you for having done, you can't be chayev. Furthermore, similar argument from another perspective, the Gemara Bavakama establishes a doctrine that someone who's, that when people crash, it talks about crashes, not vehicle crashes, but people walking in the Rishos Arabim, they bump into each other, they damage each other's property, who's at fault? So the Gemara has a framework where it uses criteria of Rishos and Shalob Rishos. It considers 
with which party was acting Brishus and which party was acting Shalom Brishus. Were they both Brishus? They both Shalom Brishus. Walking in the street, that's Brishus. Running in the street, that's Shalom Brishus. You shouldn't be running, it's, it's, it's reckless. So, the certain cases you're allowed to run. So, the, the, the Gemara has a, a whole framework involving a whole framework involving Rishos and Shalom Rishos. And apparently, if you're, if, if you're acting Rishos, we don't say Adam Wood Laulam. If a person is acting in a way in, in, in accordance with, with custom, with, with the prevailing norms of society, then there's no din of Adam Wood Laulam. So, once again, they say that if a person is driving this vehicle that's been certified and ascertained to be safe, and assuming that that's something society considers normal. Then again, that's called osib rishus, and when, it's more complicated than this. But that's the basic idea that when that, that when you're osib rishus, that when you are that, that when you're osib rishus, there's no chiyuv despite the rule of ademod laolam. When a person is osib rishus, when a person is acting in accord in accordance with the accepted norms of society, then he has no liability for an accident that he causes.